Welcome to Marin Costello Radio, where we have intentional conversations with impactful people, your weekly dose of motivation, inspiration, and entrepreneurship. Join me as we explore the ins and outs of building and running a business, interview leaders across all industries, and find the common denominator beneath it all. This is Marin Costello Radio. Folks, do we have such a special guest on today's show. Born in Israel and raised in New York, Tamima Shamis is a leading entertainment executive who is pioneering the growth of brands and talent in the digital age of influencers, followers, and virality. At the young age of 24, she is the CEO and founder of Next Step Talent, a full-service management company and digital brand consulting agency that specializes in long-term growth through digital strategy and audience relationship building. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. My gosh, always, always such a, always such a fun time chatting with you. So I want to start in your early years, not that you can get much earlier than in your twenties, but tell us <laughs> about little Tamima. Um, well, so I grew up on Long Island. Um, I, like I said, like you said, I'm originally from Israel, but I, I grew up on Long Island and I've always been super entrepreneurial. And I always tell this story because I think it's funny. When I was in third grade, we were like walking in camp and my friends used to make fun of me because I was always asking weird questions. Like, why does like the tennis court like look the way it does or like who made this or just curious about how things come to be and why they came to be and who invented them. And so obviously I didn't think, oh, that's entrepreneurial. I was just getting made fun of. And I like was like, all right, whatever. Um, And these are my best friends, but you know, whatever, poking fun. And then um, growing up, I started working at a very early age because my parents, you know, we, we, I was grateful to have a home to live in and they were super supportive, but unfortunately, you know, money wasn't something that we came easy to us. And so I started working when I was 10 and, you know, working to figure out, okay, like just to do the things I wanted to do, like go bowling or whatever with my friends, you know, they paid for my food and I had a roof over my head, which I'm again, super grateful for. And so, um, yeah, at that point, it really gave me a work ethic that I think is just something that you can't get elsewhere. Like it allowed me to see the world in a different way. And given a lot of the struggles growing up, you know, we had a lot of hardships. I feel like it just kind of came natural to me to start a business. And then here we are, but, um, like fast forward a little bit. Um, here we are. I was just talking to one of my girlfriends who also happens to be our marketing director within the company. Um, She and I were talking about how oftentimes a really strong work ethic is born of necessity. Like I will never forget being out of college and basically couch surfing and effectively being homeless and eating top ramen. I mean, it's not something that I talk about, but like that primed me for our now successful jewelry company, like multifaceted company. And that's still how, I mean, that drive, that hustle is still what drives the brand today. And there's something really beautiful about that season in hindsight, when you're in it, it's not necessarily that glamorous, right? Right. It's a difficult season, but there's something really special and magical about having (laughs) been 
part of an experience where there was no, you had no choice but to hustle. I think something I say is like, I wouldn't trade my childhood for anything. I think it allows you to, to understand psychology and see things differently and be grateful for the people around you and understand that, um, you know, some people would be really resentful of that. And I think I've come to realize like everybody has a different perspective on life and what they can offer and how they learn to parent and what, what emotional availability they have for emotional, financial, all of it. Um, and so, um, like you said, it is something that is ingrained in you and makes you who you are and makes you kind of not lazy. Like you, you just see opportunities differently than some other people might. Um, yeah. Totally. Do you remember your first exposure? I know you're, you know, a decade younger than I am, but do you remember your first exposure to the influencer space or the, like the internet world being like, you're so drawn to it? Cause I feel like, you know, for folks who have grown up with it, it's definitely second nature, but was there a moment where you were really called to it? Because not everyone necessarily works in the space that you work in, even if they've been exposed to it. Um, so I got my start. I was working at a record label. My dad is an Israeli musician. And so I grew up in the studio and I've always been super musical. And so I went to school for music business. And then when I graduated, I was working at a record label. And at that record label, I was, it was when COVID happened. So TikTok was exploding. I didn't even have TikTok downloaded. I'd been boycotting it for months because I was like, oh, another app, like, no, thank you. And my bosses were like, if you want to work here, like you have to learn TikTok. And I was like, cool. Downloaded it, learned it. And that's kind of when I started to see an opportunity within influencer management. Um, because ultimately, what I like to do is help people. And I think manage, um, I was gravitated toward that because all you do every single day is help people achieve their goals. And so it feels like a very selfless job. And that's kind of how I started to build. I would say, you know, growing up, I was really, I would always watch MagCon when that was big and the Viners and I was gravitated toward social media and looking back, I mean, this isn't something I talk about a lot, but looking back, it was the escape from what I was dealing with at home. And it was the idea that you can make a life for yourself outside of what you have. And it opened up a world that I didn't know before. Um, but obviously now it kind of came into a whole different world of what I see it to be today. So you grew up with your dad as a musician. It was kind of second nature to you. You ended up being part of that industry. When did you start to get the bug or the idea to say, oh, I'm going to go out on my own? The It is a bug um, for sure. Um, so I did it. My boss one day called me and was like, you should manage one of these influencers. And I was like, no, you're crazy. Goodbye. And I just kept hanging up the phone and he kept bringing it up. And he was like, I think you'd be really good at it. He's both of my bosses at the time, they're all like family to me. Um, we're actually working on some stuff together now and it's super exciting, but they encouraged me to go out and try it. And within like two weeks, one of my clients exploded and I was like, oh, maybe there's something here. And I've always been someone when a door opens, you just kind of run down it. And even if you don't know what's down that door, you have to 
be honest with yourself when you don't know something and then learn how to do it. So I was just open and honest with these clients. I was like, you know, there's a lot of management companies that know what they're doing. I don't really know what I'm doing. I have the skills. I I come from entertainment. I used to do acting. Um, I had a manager myself, so I knew what I liked and didn't like. I can be that support for you. And I'm going to be honest, you know, we're going to tackle your goals together. We're going to figure it out. And that's still the principles of the company. I make sure all my managers operate in that same way. And so that's kind of what happened. And then it exploded. And and then one day, you know, I was like, wait, I'm spending 20% of my time on this. If I was spending 100% of my time on this, it could be a lot greater than it is right now. And that's when I was um, aiming to leave. And I was still a little bit nervous. I got a consulting position on the side to have some supplementary income just because I was nervous about it at home. So I didn't have rent at the time, but I did know that I only had about six more months before I had to move out. And so it was like, okay, if I have this side position, that would help me to feel comfortable. And within a few months after I didn't even need that side position. And that was, uh, and then I left, but yeah. So when was the final tipping point, tipping point of being like, oh, I need to do this full time. Like, when did you really fully jump? Like, what was your sign? What was my sign? Um, needing to hire an assistant. I hired my first assistant a few months after. Um, so I started the company in June and I didn't fully incorporate until September of that year. Over the summer was really the tipping point of, oh, wait, I can actually do this. We had to line out the door of people who wanted us to manage them. And I didn't have enough staffing support. Um, that was my tipping point, I think. How did you maintain a healthy relationship from with your former bosses while going out on your own? Like, talk about navigating that process, because it doesn't necessarily always go that smoothly. A lot of times when people leave to do their own thing they have to leave that previous world behind and they don't necessarily have a positive relationship with their bosses. I'm huge on communication. So as things were growing, I went to the founder of the company and I said, hey, just letting you know, this this is doing great. Um, I would love to run it underneath your company because you helped me get here. And he was like, no, I want you to do it on your own. And I was like, okay, sure. Um, and... I kept bringing it up to him and eventually it came time to like, I'm making more than you have to offer me. Um, and he said, I believe in you. You've always been entrepreneurial. I've known that since the day I met you go off and do your thing. And I'm beyond grateful for him as a human. He's one of the best people ever. And they really believed in me and not that they guided me as far as how to start a business or what to do. I made a ton of mistakes on my own. But they guided me in the sense of don't don't second guess yourself. What I didn't know is that the company I was working for actually went under like six months later. So he going the way they were going to go and really pushed me out the door. Um, what I would advise for other people wanting to start a business and going through that is really being open and honest with your boss. And I encourage all my employees to be open and honest with their goals, because if I can fit their goals within the company, I will fit the goals within the company because they're believing in me. So I'm going to believe in them. But if you don't bring it up and you don't express what your dreams are, you're never going to have that window of opportunity. And 
there might be, you know, most bosses don't want to hold their employees back. They want to allow them to grow because if they, everyone grows, right? And so that's what I would encourage. And I've had employees who don't say anything and then, you know, whatever happens, happens. Um, but in order to keep a great relationship, I think it's important to be honest with what your dreams are. What it sounds like is the underbelly of that relationship is mentorship. Like that boss of yours really was a, an incredible guide, a great mentor. Absolutely. Who are the other folks in your life who act as mentors as far as kind of like supporting you and being your, being people that you can lean on? I didn't have any mentors until Chris Aru, Harrison Remler, Brittany Hicks, and the visionary team. Before that, I really did everything on my own. I didn't have people that I turned to from a business setting or a dream setting or a goal setting. I just kind of did it on my own. And, um, you know, my old bosses for my internships were great to me, but I didn't necessarily turn to them to, to talk to them about things outside of what we were doing on a day-to-day. I now have um, Noah Rakowski, who's um, the head of West Coast Labor Relations at YouTube. He's one of my biggest mentors. He went to college at the same school as I did, and we ran into each other a bunch of times. And then he really just took me under his wing, and I could call him anytime. And he is one of the best humans. And he actually sold his business a few years back prior to going to YouTube. So um, he introduces me to people and teaches me things and tells me the things that I already know that I might not know that I need to do. Like I, I know it, but I need somebody else to like push me. Um, he, he pushes me and I have a bunch of other great mentors now, but I think what I would say about mentors is don't force it. It kind of comes naturally and, um, don't be, I used to be afraid to ask for help and ask people questions. And I think that that's something that I changed. And now I allow a ton of people into my life at, that I can lean to. Um, I connect with as many entrepreneurs as I possibly can per day so that I can learn from them. Was there a particular moment wherein you realized, oh, I, I'm not a superhuman, like you are, but also like, I don't necessarily know everything. I can't necessarily do everything myself. Was there a moment where you're like, no, I need to start asking for help? Um, or was it just a natural progression? I think a natural progression. I was never the type of person that thought I knew everything. I always wanted to learn, but I would learn on my own. Like I would watch YouTube or I would read books. I'm a big reader. Um, but as far as asking other people, I always just felt guilty. I felt like, why would they want to take time out of their day to answer like what's in it for them? And why would they want to do that? And that was subconscious. I don't think I ever really like thought that on the outside, but, um, I've realized that with these types of people, um, it's all about giving back in the same way I try to mentor my employees and my talent and the people that I cross paths with my interns, we have a great internship program. Um, that same thing goes for people who also know. And I also learned that really like to talk about themselves. So if you just ask them a ton of questions, they probably will just ramble on for hours and you're going to learn a lot. So, so you knew it was time to leave your your previous company when you had too much work to manage yourself and you needed to hire an assistant. 
once you go out on your own and you have your assistant, what was the next step to then hiring on your next person? And what did that role look like? Like, I'm curious the journey from like one to however many employees you have now. This is a great question. And actually I've done so many interviews and nobody's asked this. Um, so I hired an assistant because I realized, okay, I cannot handle this workload on my own. I'm also, I always thought I was organized. I'm not organized. Like I grew up thinking I was a very organized person. Everyone would tell me I was organized. I'm not organized. I need some help. So I brought somebody on who could help organize for me. And then I said to myself, okay, I have a line of talent out the door. I can't manage all of them on my own. Yeah. So I hired um, a man, a manager, didn't have them on full salary, but I was taking a mentorship approach. Like, how can I help people toward their goals? How can we help our talent toward their goals? How can we create a rewarding environment in which people want to work? And so that's what I dedicated my time to because I knew I couldn't pay them what other competitors could. And so that's what we did. And then eventually, obviously, we had enough enough cash flow where I added a salary and created more of a traditional structure. And after this, uh, I had an assistant and a manager. Um, I had, I decided to bring on an intern, someone from my college named Jeff, who's now our COO. So it's come a long way, but he um, was like, I have a semester left. I would love to help you. I love what you're doing. Can I help? And so I brought him on as an intern. He then turned into a talent manager as well and worked his way up in the company. And now he's COO of the whole parent company, which is great. And wouldn't be able to survive without him. So definitely kudos. But um, and then it kind of just, you know, each time we're like, okay, now we have more talent. Now I need another talent manager. Um, I made a lot of mistakes in hiring. I still think I'm learning what I need and what I don't need. Um, the one thing I would say that is so important in creating a company culture is being in the people you hire have to fit in that company culture. And I think so many people hire just based off a resume. And for me, it's way, way more than that because given the industry we work in and the hours that it entails, it has to be someone who's entirely passionate, who believes in your vision, who actually wants to execute that vision. So now we have um, about 10 employees and we're expanding. I just hired someone in Dubai today, which I'm really excited about, um, who specializes in brand partnerships, which will be great. Specializes in what? Brand partnerships. And brand partnerships. Amazing. Yeah. So what, I, what I'm hearing is like this incredible enveloping of your company and obviously filling spots as needed as you've grown. How, do you audit your company at all? Are you, is it more fly by the seat of your pants or do you take a step back you know, every so often and go and really analyze everything? So I actually am in my house in Colorado now. Um, I spent the first three years and yes, I did audit. I did take a step back at various points, but I don't think I had the time because I was a day-to-day -day manager. So when I started it, I was running around doing everything that the other employees were doing and I couldn't really be a CEO. I couldn't be a, the COO, CEO that I wanted to be. And at the end, some sometime last year, I kind of realized I, while I love the talent that I work with on a day-to-day -day basis, 
I need to take a little bit of a step back in order for everything to happen the way it needs to. And so what I did was um, I slowly started to incorporate other managers into some of the talent I was working with on a day-to-day. I still do, I'm very hands-on. I still am a day-to-day for certain clients, but I allowed myself to take a step back. And then I bought a house in the mountains in Colorado. And I said, this is my spot where when I'm not traveling and in LA and in New York, I can sit and actually look at everything and say, okay, this isn't what's working. And part of me making Jeff COO was also that because um, as a CEO, you need to be the visionary. And if you're too much in the weeds, it's really hard to be the visionary. And um, so I'm really excited. And I think so far, January has been amazing and it's allowed me to really, like I said, see the vision and help everybody get the vision and be more of that mentorship role, which is what a CEO should be, is mentoring the whole company and looking at the numbers all the time and making sure that things are making sense and that we're going on the right path. When you're talking about taking a step back, being the CEO, being a visionary, I'm curious of your kind of your day-to-day schedule. And I know every day looks different, but is it more like a seasonal situation where you're like, I'm going to take these two weeks off or this month off and really break things down? Or is it like a couple of days a week? Do you honor weekends? Like, I know it's different when you're in entertainment because their schedules are kind of like you're, you fall yeah. prey to their schedules. So what does that, I hate the word balance, but what do you, what does it look like for you to navigate your schedule versus the schedule of your company? I hate the word balance too. My it's employees so gross. I hate it. It's so my, stupid. My employees <laughs> laugh at me all the time because I, the word task, word balance, I don't allow in my company. If they say the word task, I yell at them um, because tasks make you, makes you feel all jumbled up and not like you're taking steps towards something. You just feel like you're like a monotonous, I don't know, robot. So it's banned. But anyways, back to um, my day. So I am really big uh, into working out and yoga and meditation. So Every single day, no matter what time, I I try to wake up um, around 5 or 6 a.m., but even if I wake up a little bit later, I'm human, not, my schedule doesn't always stay the same. Um, I always make sure I run. I've ran a mile a day for the last three months, and I have not skipped, so that's the time where I I allow my brain to just reset and think, Um, and then I meditate and I journal every morning. After that... um, Every day looks different. Now that I have a COO, um, it's a lot of really spending time. You know, we're redoing our website right now. So I've been spending a lot of time on notes there. We just hired someone to help with our LinkedIn. So I've been reviewing all the posts, making sure that everything is educational. We are launching a course in a few months. So I've been working on some of the topics with one of my employees who's helping to organize everything. Um, but really I spend 20% of my day finding new companies, new tech that we could get involved with, seeing the future of entrepreneurs, connecting with them, learning from them. Then I spend about an hour on summary.com reading summaries of business books, um, how to better incorporate. I send my CEO little notes. Hey, I think we should do this. Let's try this. Um, and the rest of the day is different every day. I'm working with an advisor on co- trying to streamline a little bit more, but every day is different. This week, I've been doing a lot of hiring, um, 
like I said, I'm very hands-on when it comes to the types of employees. So when it gets narrowed down, I, I do, because we are still in that startup phase, I am very hands-on in making sure that who comes on is going to represent the, my vision in the way I want them to. Um, and yeah, like today I'll be doing, we have a team meeting on Friday because I do monthly team meetings with my team. So um, I'll be working on that agenda and getting that out to them by tomorrow so that they can prepare. I'm um, trying to think what else. Every day is different. You know, if my clients need me somewhere um, next month, I'm flying to Guatemala for a week and I am hosting a self-growth retreat for entrepreneurs and um, just visionaries. So my team has way more meetings. Um, our COO has weekly meetings with the team and then daily meetings with um, the employees right now. Not every employee, but just ones that we feel need, you know, it, it just depends on what your role is, but he has daily team meetings. Um, I come in once a month now. This has all changed as of January. Last year, we had weekly that I was running. Now we're shifting that over. Um, this is the first one. I don't necessarily know how effective it will be yet because it's still soon, but we alter and change. Um, we're taking a new strategy of, um, I'm going to have a presentation of updates for the company, things I want to see different, what the next two months are going to look like, traveling, what I would like us to do. I'm speaking at a bunch of schools, our internship program. So just some updates on that. And then um, we recently did a poll, which we'll be doing also in person on um, 410 work days, like different styles of work, work days to see what our employees prefer just out of curiosity. Um, haven't made any decisions, but just kind of testing the waters. And um, then what I do is have every employee read the agenda in person. And I recently saw on a podcast, a few entrepreneurs that I look up to do this. And what they say is if you send people an agenda before, they pretend like they read it and they don't read it. And they don't create solutions to some of the problems. And so what I'm going to have is a problem and everyone in person has to take the thir first 30 minutes to figure out a solution to the problem. And then we're all going to talk about it so that we walk away with actual action items for the company versus people coming in and half listening to the meeting. It's going to be very interactive. Do you guys have a, um, a physical office or is everyone remote? Is it a hybrid? What is the, the makeup of the company? We had a physical office um, in LA and I decided at the end of last year that it was best if we went back to remote while we um, rebrand, reboot. And, um, you know, I felt that there was a lot of distractions in the office. And so I want, eventually we will have a production studio and we do have employees in New York. You know, there was, there's people in and out. And so I did offer all of my employees if they wanted a, like, work monthly work membership that we would pay for it so that they could have that option but um in the meantime we are remote very cool yeah. what are the platforms that you use to organize your internal company but also keep all of the clients organized with all of their respective projects and also how many clients do you guys have so we have um about 40 clients right now on the management side. Um, the consulting side, we have about six. It's very new. And then we are doing the course, which is our main focus. And then on production, it crosses over some from management and we have some new clients. Um, 
as far as our client's organization, every client is different. And um, the first thing I teach my managers is to get into the brain of the clients and figure out how their brain processes information. I'm really big on the school system has a one size fits all method to teaching. And that's great. And then you get into adulthood and most businesses have a one size fits all method for how people should be turning in assignments and getting things done or communicating with their boss or whatever it is. And something that me and my COO talk about a lot is that's just not the case in reality. Some people are more visual. Some people are more audio. Some people um, process things a day later and need more time to think about something before they can get back to you. And some people can get back to you immediately. Um, and so what we do is we really work with our employees to figure out, our employees and our talents, figure out how they best operate. And because ultimately what we want is an efficient work environment for everybody. And until you figure out how somebody's brain works, you can't do that. So we get behind, we we talk, we learn a lot about each other, and then create a system. So some of my clients, we do their daily schedule on like a note stock. Some of my clients have more official CRM. Some of my clients have, um, you know, a daily phone call where we just run through everything with them. Some of our clients, it really just depends. Some like the calendar invites, some will, will never check a calendar. Some want once a week meetings, some want daily meetings. Whatever works to create the most productive environment is what our managers have to do. Now, internally, we did mondays.com for a bit. And then like for internal, and we coded out, it was very intricate. The clients could see how much money they were making. I really don't feel like any of the platforms have nailed what we need in this new entertainment space. So I, what I did was I spent the last six months talking to different platforms and working out some equity deals, which are still in the works to figure out what's actually needed and help a tech founder and a CTO create what is actually needed for the new age of this industry. But um, yeah, so that's what I've been working on. Right now we use Notion. We switched over from Mondays. Mondays was way too costly and my team wasn't using it the way they should. And one of the things I've learned about tech is tech is only as good as the team learns to use it. And if your team is more visual, like my team is, Mondays was just too complicated. They, it, it wasn't user-friendly and it wasn't working. So we pivoted. You know, what's so interesting about that is that I used Notion at one point for myself personally, because I was like, I'm a visual person. I'm obviously a designer. I'm like, oh, this is beautiful. But my team had already onboarded to Monday, which we love and we use, but it's not as like pretty as, as Notion. Like it's not, yeah. it's not as appealing to like the, the creative folks on my team, but we still have built out so much on Monday that we use it. Um, but that resonates with me. It's kind of when, I mean, I hear this all the time of people being like, there's nothing really out there that's catered to my business. We have to create a product from our own or build things on top of other products to really cater to the brand. So, and I just feel like it's, it's ever evolving. And I really commend you for saying, Hey, Monday is not serving us. Like this platform's not serving us. We're going to use another platform and you're not afraid to jump into a different system rather than being like, well, we've used it for so many years and we've already have this stuff built on it and we've already put so much time and energy. So let's keep it. Like if it's not serving you, release it. I really appreciate. And I just want to 
say that to you that like I really that's very commendable because not a lot of folks do that in your position. They really, you know, dig their heels into platforms and programs that they've used for years because they've used them for years, not because they're actually working for them. I was listening to a podcast recently and it was talking about how some decisions are one-way doors and some decisions are two-way doors and really figuring out which decision is a one-way door and which is a two-way door. And yes, sometimes I, I'm a big person of change. Um, like you said, I'm exactly what you said about serving you. That's how I live my life of, if anything, friends, relationships, work, if so, and please like if something isn't meant to be in that moment, then we have to pivot. And so is it difficult to pivot? Absolutely. Does it take extra time? Do I look at it as I wasted time? I never look at anything like we wasted time because we learned something that we didn't know before. And so I kind of operate more from a feminine energy like perspective when it comes to like being a founder, which is good and bad. But, um, you know, learning to 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 navigate that all. But when it comes to change, that's something that I am definitely good at. <laughs> when you and I first met, you mentioned how interested you are in psychology, yeah. um, both in concept and in practice. How does that yeah. help you govern not only your own life, but the way that you run your company? Psychology is so much more than just words on a paper or past humans who created concepts that you can learn about. It's really just how do humans interact with each other and how do they perceive information and how do they um, react to something? And I'm someone who likes to ask a lot of questions and likes to find out why somebody's reacting the way they are. And then get to the bottom of it before we create assumptions and before we make decisions. And um, so there's different. The new course we're doing is going to be the psychology behind social media, because when you put out a video, it's how does your audience going to react to it? And how is a different audience going to react differently? So how would an adult react versus a kid or how would someone react if they were angry in the moment versus if they were sad? What kind of emotions do you want somebody to feel when you say something? And then, you know, you can't control how somebody reacts, but you can control your delivery when once you know the people you're talking to and how their brains work and what they like to think about. You recently, since you and I first met, you recently rebranded the company and there's been a lot of growth with the company. I would love to learn, one, what did you rebrand? What did it look like then versus what does it look like now? And secondly, how did you know it was time to rebrand? Like what, again, made you jump off the cliff of being like, you know, what we just talked about of, I'm going to start my own company, jump off the cliff. Oh, I'm going to rebrand the, the company altogether, jump yeah. off that cliff. Talk to us about both sides of that experience. So we just rebranded to Next Step Projects, which is a multimedia company. That's the parent company. Next Step Talent's not going anywhere. It's right underneath it. Um, the reason we rebranded is because people in entertainment or in life categorize you, right? You go to school for marketing. You're a marketing professional. You Most, employee, most employers don't even find out about anything else you like outside of marketing because you're a marketing person. Same thing if you go to school for accounting. They're like, oh, you're a math person. 
Meanwhile, you could probably play multi-instruments and be the most creative human ever and provide a lot of value to the company, but most employers don't find out about it. And um, in entertainment, it's the same thing. So when you're a talent manager, you're boxed into this thing where you're not supposed to be the creative. And what I found was, is we were operating a lot as the creative. We were working with our talent to help them develop a strategy, a brand, a all of the things that are way more than just what somebody thinks a manager should do um, based on stereotypes of how the industry is operated. And so we started to run into problems where people would be like, oh, you can't do this. And we're like, no, we can. Um, we are actually very good at that. And that's what we've been doing. But because of the title management, it closed off their brain to any sort of additional opportunities. And so rebranding as next step projects allowed me to launch three companies underneath it which are separate but one is allowed to be more of the creative side so um you know we were doing consulting now we have next step creatives which is consulting for brands and artists and allowing them to learn about the psychology behind social media why does an algorithm work the way it does how can you make yourself you know the why is our keyword and we're going to be launching a course under that company and then we have the production side which is our creatives like that is the all the things we were doing on management when it comes to helping develop out the story for the talent, the creative side. Now we can do that both for our in-house clients and for other clients as well. I'd love to talk about navigating life and business in your 20s. Yeah. And I'm curious if your experience is similar to what mine was in that not everyone took my business or me seriously because of my age, even though the business was very seasoned and well-established. Yeah, it's hard. Um, the way I look at it, and I've had plenty of people, I've had three that come to mind that have told me that I would never make it because I'm a girl and I'm in my 20s and I'm too young and I don't know what I'm talking about. And I recently read a book and it was talking about how um, and, and I've always thought this way, but it really resonated of the older you get, the more you realize what you don't know. And so really the one advice I give is always be the person that like wants to look to people to learn and knows they don't know everything. And the same way I talk to people who are older than me, you know, a lot of things that I don't know, but I also know things that you don't know. And I different perspective on the same things. And so I never took that as something that I couldn't do. I always look at it as something that challenges me and I pick those people's brains and I don't cross it off the list. Now, do they know everything? No, but I can take it into the larger picture and figure it out. Um, but you do obviously learn as time goes on, but it is, it, I, I don't think age makes a difference in the sense of your capabilities. Um, if anything, at every age, you're going to run into problems. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to have to learn new things. As times change, people change, the new generations change. You have to just always be willing to adapt for what age you are and be willing to learn. And learning is the number one most important thing. Um, and then I also would say um, some of their challenges, and I know you don't like the word balance, but I think some other challenges are um, in the personal life. They say as you 
advance and have more goals and don't see the world in the same way as some other people, like your circles get smaller. And I've come to love the fact that my circles got smaller and be really cognizant of who's serving me in my life and who's adding to my life and who's allowing me to see different perspectives. I have a one best friend and every time I call them um, and I'm like, Hey, I have a problem. They're like, have you thought of it this way? Versus you have the other friends who are like, screw that person. Why would, why would you care? And I try to surround myself with people who allow me to change the way I'm thinking, whether or not I agree or accept it. I am challenged to see something differently. What is your personal relationship with social media? Because I know that you operate other people's businesses and brands on social media, and it's a huge platform for what yeah. you do in your work. But what is it to you personally? That's that's a hard, another question that no one's ever asked. Um, I, I, it's hard, you know, for me posting on social media, I don't necessarily have the time to post the content that I would like to post, which is this type of inspiring thought leadership style content. Um, I do take breaks from my social media. I am insanely addicted. I pick up my phone for apparently no reason all the time, pick up Instagram, pick up TikTok. I consume a lot of content, but something I'm working on this year is really limiting the amount of time I spend on social media and being strategic with why I'm spending it and what I'm learning from it versus just picking it up to scroll. It's hard. I am just as addicted as anybody else is. And I did take a week and a half off um, entirely over break. And, you know, I would re-download it and then have to delete it. Be like, why did I just do that? Let me re-delete it. Um, but I think social media really plays a great role in society. And I look at it as something I follow a lot of thought leadership accounts. I look at it as another tool to learn. And... Um, not another tool to be judged, but a tool to share things that can inspire other people. And I do want to be more active on it, given that some of my employees have said to me, like, we followed you for four or five years before we started working for you. And you inspired us. And I don't even know what I posted that inspired them, but apparently it did something, you know? I love that. Can you give us a quick sneak peek of your course that's coming out and maybe a timeline of when we can expect it? Yeah. So it will be launching at the beginning of Q2. So the first month of Q2. Um, it is a comprehensive course from everything from the moment that downloading social media pops into your brain to understanding how to execute. So everything, the biggest part about this course that doesn't really exist out there right now is understanding the why behind every single thing you're doing. Why does your lighting matter? Why does where you're located matter? What And the reason is how does your location attract certain types of people? So the number one thing that we're going to teach people is what is your mission? And then how can you use social media to get to your mission? Because we see so many brands, music artists, influencers who are trying to start out that don't, they have this mission but they're not targeting the right people. Because if you have a mission to target people who, let's say, play sports, but your background is of you not doing anything related, 
that's not going to inspire somebody. So what we're teaching people is how can you inspire and what do you need to do? And all of the things in between from understanding how your editing is either inspiring or not inspiring. So we're going to have people submit like um, videos to review and say, okay, well, I'm your user and I didn't get that message from what you just said. You might've thought you got that message through, but that's not what happened. And we look at it from the standpoint of everybody watches TV, everybody watches movies, everybody reads books. If all of a sudden there was like all these little holes in your movie and like we've all watched a bad movie that has like horrible character plots and someone just falls off the face of the earth and then just never appears and no one explained why. And we connect that back to social media to something that people are going to be able to really understand and walk away with a new understanding of the why behind everything. For someone who maybe is listening, who is interested in this course, how long would it take them from start to finish to go through the course and start implementing? We are in the middle of finalizing the amount of time. It is going to be a few days course, but it will be a self-paced type course. So it's not a course that you have to take like going to college where you have to be there at a certain time. It is self-paced online course, which will have a forum and feedback. Um, and you can sign up for one-on-one consulting with us afterwards if you wanted to figure out further personalized implementation. Um, so as far as how long it would take, again, we're still figuring that out, but I think it'll, it'll be, you know, a few days time. If you went straight through people can take months if they would like to, um, what I recommend is we're going to be constantly updating certain information. So, when you sign up, it would be important for you to to do it kind of together. What are you super excited about for the future? Um, What am I super excited about? I'm excited about expanding my team. I'm excited about hiring more specialized professionals that are better than me at whether that's e-commerce or marketing or specific areas of production um ideation we're we're creating an ideation partner right now i'm going to fly to london to meet with him so i'm really excited to expand our abilities and really expand our reach and be able to help more people and for myself to be able to lean more into that thought leadership and inspire more entrepreneurs to do what they're all doing how can we support you and where can we find you you can find me on um instagram my first and last name, which I'm sure you can link. And um, our company, our new website, nextstepprojects.co will be launching um, in the next week. And so uh, from that, you'll have the pages to all the other websites and you'll be able to find all of our different companies. And you can email me, reach out on LinkedIn, however, and I love to connect with you all. Well, this has been such a fun conversation. I've learned so much and you're so inspiring. Thank you for doing what you do and for your time here on the show. I know that it's going to really be impactful for a lot of our listeners to hear your story. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. You guys, that interview was just everything. A huge thank you to Tamima for coming on the show and another big thank you to our hosts at Dash Radio and producers at Island City Media. If you like this episode, you can listen to it again and again on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please leave a review so we can continue bringing you the people and conversations that you love, just like Tamima. Lastly, if you want to connect with me offline, you can find me at MarinCostello.com and Marin Costello Radio on Instagram. 
Have a beautiful day, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we'll see you next week with another amazing guest on Marin Costello Radio. This is Island City Radio.
another. Island City Radio, where the beach meets the street.